want to talk a little bit about the mission mentality that we as a church have embarked on this past year. It's been right at a year since I came on board Shepherd as your pastor. It's been a good year for me. I hope it's been a good year for you as well. But we have been in the midst of uh, learning how to be missionaries in Shepherd. So I want to begin, if you have your Bibles, if uh, you'll open it to the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, there's a parable there, and I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to just kind of paraphrase and give you the gist of the parable of the bags of gold. See, the gist of the story is that a master entrusts his three servants with some of his great wealth, and he gives to one servant five bags of gold, and he gives to a second servant two bags of gold, and then to a third servant he gives a single bag of gold. Now the story goes that two of the servants, the one with the five bags and the one with the two bags, they put that gold to work and they double the money for their master. But the last servant buries the gold in the ground instead of using it to increase it as the other servants has done. And so when the master returns to check on his servants, the first two are able to show their master an increase in gold. And he tells them, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful with a few things, so now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. And then he invites them to come in and share his joy. Now the third servant, the one who hid the gold in the ground, the one that did not use it to increase, to make more gold, that servant met with the master's displeasure. And he was banished from the master's house. And if that weren't enough, before he kicked him out of the house, the master took the one bag of gold that he had given to that servant and gave it to the one who had produced the most fruit. Now I tell you that parable to tell you this. Our gold, the gold given to us by our Master Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in you as believers, our gold is most likely not actual gold. But it's any combination, any number of spiritual gifts and fruits of the Spirit that are outlined for us in Scripture. I'll just remind you in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You remember those. And in 1 Corinthians 12, the fruits of the Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, it says. But the same Spirit distributes all those gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord that we serve. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work in us. 
verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through a Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He sees fit. So the point... Like the gold in the parable, we each get gifts. We each receive fruit to bear. And the increases that come from that come back to the master double what we are given if we will simply use them. Good example I like to use is we give our master, our Lord Jesus, twice the joy that he gives us when we just use joy, share joy, multiply joy for the benefit of the kingdom. And when we do finally see our master face to face, though we can't earn that privilege through our works, those of you and me who use the gifts and bear the fruits that were given will hear Jesus say, Well done, good and faithful servant. So, using what we've been given in order to increase it in our lives and the lives of others is a big part of what I like to call the mission mentality. You've heard me say that before. Our work our ministry here in Shepherd is only possible when we share our gifts, when we bear our fruits, our resources, our time, our talent, our very lives in a sacrificial way for the benefit of the people in this community that we serve and when we do it to the glory and honor of God. That's the first piece. If you're taking notes, here's the second piece of the mission mentality. The second piece is seeking God's face and the direction of the Holy Spirit in our work. What do I mean by that? Well, I like to go to the Old Testament. The book of Joshua has a really good example of this that reminds us that the Holy Spirit of God will always go before us if we let Him. See, the, the Israelites in the book of Joshua were commanded to let the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant to go before them as they cross the Jordan River into the promised land. Let me read to you from Joshua 3. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. 
but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Don't go near it. And Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And then Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. See, the thing is, as we're about to embark on ministry, and kids, listen up. As you're about to go to summer camp and learn about ministry, when we set out to do ministry, sometimes we don't know which way to go. Sometimes we don't know exactly how God wants us to proceed. But see, that's okay because God knows. And His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, goes before us and guides us in that ministry. When we spend time seeking His face, humbling ourselves, praying to Him for His guidance, then He responds by preparing the way ahead of us. Is that clear? So I want to pause here for just a minute and focus on one little piece of that scripture in Joshua where Joshua says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. As you're getting ready to go to summer camp, as you're about to embark on any kind of ministry at all in this community, take time to consecrate yourselves and make yourselves ready for use by God. What does it mean to consecrate yourself? And how do we do it? Well, consecration simply means to set yourself apart for the work of God, to move in alongside with what God is already doing in the community. See, we as workers in the kingdom have to daily set ourselves set ourselves apart for God. How do we do that? We do it through daily prayer. We do it through confession and repentance and getting into the Word of God. So then having this mission mentality involves using the gifts we've been given, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit as to how we should next go, it's really quite straightforward in those two things, isn't it? But it does require some discipline and some practice on our parts. Now there's one more piece to this mission mentality that I want to talk about briefly. I think this is important because we as missionaries in this mission field of shepherd need to guard ourselves against this devious mind game that Satan likes to play with us, which tries to tell us that our contribution of our time, of our talent, of our treasure, he tries to tell us that our contribution is insignificant, that it doesn't have any real impact. What does that sound like? Well, Pastor, I, I just... I don't think that I really need to give to that particular project because 
my little bit of contribution doesn't really have an impact. Pastor, I don't, I, I don't take time really to pray for people because I'm just one person praying in a sea of people. That's kind of what it sounds like, I think. But there's a really good example in Scripture about how a small contribution had a major impact. See, we need to be wary of the thoughts that suggest that we're not capable of a significant missionary value to the kingdom of God. That's the devil trying to dissuade us from participating in ministry. We have to go forward with the mindset and the knowledge that God doesn't call people who are equipped. He calls, he, he equips people that he calls. He doesn't call people who are ready for ministry. He readies people for ministry. So in scripture, there's this story in Luke about the widow's might. You've probably heard it before, and a lot of times churches use it to encourage people to give during their stewardship campaigns. I'm not talking about the value of the money here. I'm talking about the mission mentality, using what we've been given, seeking God's guidance as to what to do with it, and not underestimating God's ability to use all of it for his purpose and for his glory. Let me read you the story about the widow's might in Luke. It's the 21st chapter if you're following along. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasure. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. See, Jesus uses this poor widow as an example of substance versus quantity in the kingdom. But more than that, this widow is an example of how God uses the seemingly small and insignificant gift to increase and multiply his kingdom. Now think about this. Think of how small and insignificant the two copper coins were as they were dropped into the midst of all the riches that were pouring into the treasury that day. Can't you just see her with her two copper coins, the last two copper coins she has in the world and she drops them plink, plink into the treasury. But then think about over the last 2,000 plus years those same two copper coins have been the inspiration to give in thousands of churches. Millions of people have been inspired by those two copper coins to give. And over the vast expanse of all those years, those two coins have generated untold millions upon millions for the kingdom of God. 
That's not about the money. It's about the increase. Talk about a matching gift campaign. Do you think that that woman received a crown of righteousness when she finally stood in front of Jesus when he remembered the widow and the two copper coins that she gave? Do you think she heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant? You know, I'd be willing to bet two copper coins for the kingdom that she did. Satan's deception can manifest itself in that way and in other ways as well. I'm reminded that when Jesus sent out the 70 into their mission field, they had excellent results. But Jesus knew that there would be times when their message would not be well received. And he warned them and he advised them how to handle Satan's influences in people. Let me read to you from the account of the 70. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no extra sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on them. But if not your peace will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off, we dust off our sandals and protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. And so the 70 go out and they return with all kinds of stories. The 70 return with joy saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of light. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So let me wrap up mission mentality for us here. 
one, use the gifts that you've been given to increase the kingdom. Two, seek God's direction in what to do with those gifts. And three, realize that God is able to equip you for the work that you're called to do for the kingdom. And realize that part of that equipping is teaching you how to handle the rejection of the world. And all three of those together serve to advance the mission to minister to God's people. To make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And to bring honor and glory to God. One final thought, because I know I'm running long. When Paul was nearing the end of his ministry. When he had spread the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide. When he had done everything God had planned for him to do and he knew that he would be called home very soon, he gave to us some amazing encouragement as missionaries for the kingdom. As he closed up shop on his life's work, he says to us in 2 Timothy 4th chapter, beginning at verse 6, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. See, we know that our mission is to do God's will for the kingdom. And we know that it's all for his glory, not ours. And we know that we're saved by grace through faith and not by our own good works. And we also know that good works are just evidence of a legitimate saving faith. It's like James says in his epistle, faith without works is dead, which is just another way of saying that a byproduct of a good, true relationship with Christ results in our desire to do good works. So like Paul, we should all yearn for this crown of righteousness and the privilege to take the crown off of our heads and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And we should all strive in the performance of our kingdom work for the privilege to look into our Savior's face one day and say to him, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and hear him say to us in response, Well done, good and faithful servant. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.